0: So, Rachel. Yeah? A peace-loving race gives Kirk a lesson in warfare when they hesitate to interfere in a skirmish between the Federation and the Klingons that threatens the planet.
1: Ah, oh, not a peaceful war again. My brain needs oil in thinking about this. <laughs> I feel like my gears are all jammed up we've got three groups here peace loving folks our guys and for the first time klingons yeah those are those bumpy headed widow's peak black haired, angry looking ones aren't they
0: yeah but they don't have bumpy heads yet come I'll, on i'll what? explain later oh
1: they've got their own language and mm-hmm. people do their wedding vows in it <laughs> that's all i know but i'm 90 percent sure i'm not gonna like them oh But, this is what I came for, so let's give it a shot. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, stardate 3198.4. We have reached Organia and established standard orbit. No signs of hostile activities in this area.
0: Welcome to Rachel Wancher's Star Trek.
1: I'm Rachel Lackey.
0: And I'm Chris Lackey.
1: And today we have a returning sponsor, La Belle Esplanade. Oh. What makes this New Orleans' most unique hotel? La Belle Esplanade is like the Ritz if the Ritz was located in a colorful and eclectic mansion run by two people. Mm.
0: Though more like a hotel and its amenities, La Belle Esplanade is run like a unique New Orleans bed and breakfast. Every morning starts with a carefully curated buffet of local delicacies and good conversation about all things New Orleans With insider recommendations of things to do off the usual tourist radar. You'll get first-hand reviews of the city's over 800 restaurants, and you'll get an insider's perspective on New Orleans' unique culture.
1: You will meet the owners of this unique New Orleans hotel and talk to them like friends. Like friends, they'll get to know what you're interested in, so they can make tailored and personalized recommendations that will make you more fully appreciative of this magnificent city. Don't visit New Orleans like a tourist. Experience New Orleans like you live there.
0: Visit them at their website, labellesplanade.com on TripAdvisor or check out what has been called the best written blog in New Orleans.
1: Go there, get recommendations and then like me, you won't end up too hungover to have beignets with your parents the next day because you've gone to a place that was so boring (laughs) that you had to drink ridiculous amounts as an underage drinker in New Orleans.
0: It's a very uh, (laughs) specific example. Uh, Yeah, regrets. Almost like from personal experience. (laughs) Let's get into the episode, shall we? The episode starts off with Kirk on the Enterprise getting a message from Starfleet that negotiations with the Klingons are falling apart and they expect them to attack at any moment. Hmm. The Enterprise is going to Organia, a peaceful planet in the disputed area, to prevent the Klingons from taking over it. On the way there, the Enterprise is attacked by a Klingon vessel. Kirk returns fire and destroys the Klingon ship. Yeek. I was like, that didn't take long. It just blew it right up. They're weak. Ohara says they're getting a message from Starfleet. Code one alert. War with the Klingon Empire has begun. Ooh! Kirk vows to stop the Klingon from getting a foothold on Arcania. Then, Kurt put Sulu in command, which surprised me. I think that's the first time that that's happened.
1: Is it? I thought he'd already been in a c- in command at least once. Well,
0: I know he put Scotty in command mm-hmm. when he left. Yeah. And I think later on it's established that Scotty is the next in line. Right. But I don't know why uh, Sulu got put in command and maybe Scotty's on vacation or something. I don't oh, know.
1: I thought this was even the second time that he'd asked Sulu to abandon them if anything goes wrong. Maybe wrong. Rafe No.
0: So, he put Sulu in charge while him and spock are going to go down to talk with the organians he tells him your duty is to the enterprise not us
1: mm. if trouble
0: shows up just get out of here and get help
1: kirk has asked him to do this yet again isn't this like having an army and then the officers go and do the battle on their own and <laughs> command the soldiers to hide in the bushes somewhere far away
0: <laughs> from a narrative standpoint i get yeah. it but from a practical standpoint yeah no captain in the world would ever do this you send <laughs> people down to do these types of things you send scouting parties and go
1: together loads of yeah. Yeah, And have your backup right up there in space, in orbit. Keep it there. I'm over them having to send Kirk and Spock down every time. But why do they always have to send the ship away as well? Well,
0: because they want them to be on their own from a narrative There's standpoint. There's got to be peril. Yeah. And They're dip-
1: unprotected. Exactly. Yeah. And I respect it, actually. Because if it was in the context of officers going and doing it themselves instead of putting everyone else in danger, fair play. That's <laughs> stupid, but really nice. <laughs>
0: So uh, after they beam down, they see that it's a very primitive society. There's no tech, and there's people walking around with animals. They spray painted some goats green, <laughs> so that those, I guess, are alien goats. <laughs> yeah. But the set looks very medieval, and then I looked it up, and it is the same set. The Pike fights the fur guy on Rigel Seven oh. of the cage slash menagerie.
1: World's worst guard. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him well. <laughs>
0: This old guy, Elborn welcomes them with a silly little bow.
1: Somebody hasn't done his cultural sensitivity meditations for a while, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> silly little bow.
0: Well, I just can't help but think this is some actor like, let's do some alien greeting. And they're like, oh, how about this? And they're like, yeah, sure, that works. Like, yeah. it, just, it seems very insincere and, oh. and silly to me. And that's neither here nor there
1: apparently Uh, it is. uh,
0: Kirk wants to talk to who's in charge and Aylbourne says, uh, I'm the chairman of the council, so, you know, you can meet with us.
1: Was he indicating we don't have a hierarchy or anyone in charge, but if we did, it'd be me.
0: That's kind of what he was saying, yeah. yeah. So Kirk gets in there and lays out what's going on and that the Federation would like to protect them. They tell Kirk there's no need for protection. Kirk tells them the Klingons will come in and take over your world by force, destroying your way of life. And when they talk amongst themselves, Kirk and Spock have this little chat. Spock says that they are an arrested culture. Uh, He scanned the village and found that they have been living this way as long as the tricorder can detect.
1: The tricorder can see back in time? I'm guessing
0: that it could look at maybe ruins, uh, look Mm. at soil samples see if there's any indication of a post-industrial society maybe Mm -hmm. there's like oil or coal anything like that that would indicate that there may be technology
1: elements past buildings right okay
0: and none of that exists Mm -hmm. so as far as he can tell they've been this primitive society forever so the council says Thanks, but no thanks. And just one of the counselors, he speaks up and says, a fleet of Klingon D-7 battlecruisers has arrived. Somehow he knows what's going on, but he's not like looking at any screen or reading any. He just knows. To me, that was immediately like, whoa, what's going on there? But Kirk and Spock seem a little surprised that he knows things but they don't really think about it too much. They just kind of really dismiss it offhand.
1: These dudes are confident, relaxed, and operating on a whole nother level. (laughs) But nope, Starfleet knows best.
0: Yeah. So Sulu takes the Enterprise out of the system and Kirk and Spock are abandoned. The Organians give Kirk and Spock some clothes so they can fit in and Mm. won't be attacked by the Klingons. They say that Spock is a Vulcan merchant, which is something that happens on that planet, I guess. Mm. Somehow the Organians have taken their phasers from them as well.
1: Mm. But Spock is back in a cape yes
0: <laughs> Back.
1: <laughs> he was in a cape in the Spurk fiction that yeah. I read
0: so that's what you're talking um, but,
1: about but he was also in some kind of a funny outfit in Return of the Archons was it where he had a headdress on but was oh, that right. not a cape as I don't well I not really think that was a cape right maybe I'm just remembering this one <laughs> Book story quite a lot. Then. <laughs>
0: the Klingon army lands, and they say, "Oh, it's like over a hundred guys." But when we actually see them, it's about ten dudes, <laughs> and they march into the village. They are led by this Klingon called Kor.
1: Where are the bumpy foreheads? Why are they speaking English?
0: The Klingons that you've seen me watching mm. on uh, Next Generation. I'm Yes, all that stuff comes later because in the original series, they were just some browned up dudes Mm -hmm. with a kind of Genghis Khan vibe, which was intentional. That's because they wanted them to be a conquering race like Genghis Khan, you know, who controlled, I guess, one third of the planet at one point. And
1: sired most of us.
0: That's True, yeah, So what's like (laughs) a quarter of the population of the planet Earth is descended from Genghis Khan, supposedly. It seems a little racist now. Mm, Or a homage. Could be, sure. (laughs) But uh, the Romulans were based off the Roman Empire, and oh, the Klingons right, are based off the, of Mon- the Mongolian
1: Hence Empire. the haircuts of the Romulans. Yeah, yes. get it now.
0: DC Fontana, the writer, thought mm. that the Klingons were going to be the main... Oh,
1: is this DC again?
0: No, not this episode. Oh. But in one of the interviews, she thought that the Klingons were going to be the main bad guys because mm. their makeup was easy. Whereas oh. the Romulans had to do fake ears and eyebrows and all that stuff.
1: That's a lot of boot polish and <laughs> facial hair, though. <laughs> eyebrows, too. <laughs> <laughs> there was so much going on with the main guy's face. My brain was scrambling to keep up when he first came on. We're talking eyeliner. Eyeshadow, shadow, eyebrow makeup and extensions, a long thin moustache placed in the outer corners of his lip and a soul patch parted in the middle and splayed out. He's also browned up and contoured and wearing the usual big sash that several alien races seem to have. But man, this guy has got charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. <laughs>
0: He sure does. Mm. I got to say, Core was winning me over. Yes. I, I saw him. This is spoiling. Core shows up again on another Star Trek series. Yeah. In Deep Space Nine, but he's like an old Klingon oh. and he's got a bumpy forehead. Oh. So they just kind of retconned it a bit. The whole reason the bumpy foreheads came was when they had money for the budget of the Star Trek motion picture. They were like, well, we always wanted to do Klingons different, mm. but we just couldn't afford to. So now let's just do it. Yeah. And then they did. Yeah. and so everybody just kind of ignored it and then there was a point in Deep Space Nine where they go back in time to where the Klingons didn't have bumpy foreheads mm-hmm. they ask Worf they're like what's up with these Klingons oh. and he goes don't ask oh. so they just kind of you know make a joke of it yeah but then later on on Enterprise they actually have an episode that explains why there's some bumpy-headed Klingons mm. and some smooth-headed Klingons but we'll wait till we get there
1: about- <laughs> and one Romulan with ears and the rest have crash helmets <laughs>
0: Anyway, So uh, are you
1: saying we never get to see Kor again in the original series? No. Oh, come on, man! No,
0: they use other actors to play different Klingons, but Kor actually does show up in the animated series.
1: That's no good. (laughs) I really liked him.
0: I do too. is pretty good. I was was in Kor.
1: From the second he came on, I knew I was in good hands. (laughs) Presence. Yeah, he had it going on.
0: Yeah. Uh, So Kor tells the Organians that he's just taken over the planet. They say they won't put up any kind of resistance. Kor sees Spock and thinks that he might be a Federation spy, so has him arrested. Kirk interferes and says that Spock is his friend. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Now the Organians are all smiles, but Kirk isn't. And Kor likes that about him. Mm. He goes, this is a man I could deal with. And he tells Kirk that he is now the liaison for the Council and the Klingon Empire.
1: I don't want the job too bad <laughs> kirk can't even fit in for two minutes as a peaceful passive guy
0: uh-huh. he can't
1: dial down his pride and disdain even though he's bothered to put the tights and tunic on <laughs> <laughs> i liked it
0: <laughs> so they use um this mind scanner on spock but spock is so well trained mentally that he has no problem working the device over so that it'll corroborate his story
1: whoa it turns others to vegetables this mind sifter Cause very proud of
0: it yeah, he loves that thing uh, so the the Klingons let Kirk and Spock go. Now, Kirk and Spock have his powwow, and they say, you know what, if the Organians aren't going to fight, then we're going to have to.
1: Even though the counselors keep saying there's so much about us that you don't understand, <laughs> they just keep going with their own plan.
0: Yeah. They make a plan to blow up an ammo depot, and then they do it. They have these space boxes that look like brightly painted, corrugated cardboard, mm-hmm. which... They are. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's this big explosion. Of course, the Organians are ticked that Kirk did this. And Kor has a spy device in the council chamber. So the Klingons come in and they capture Kirk and Spock. Mm. Kor plans on using the Mind Sifter on Kirk, turning him into a vegetable, but getting all the information out of his head. But Aelborn says, this is Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. So he like totally just blows his cover.
1: Yeah, although I saw it as probably benevolent to protect him from being turned into a vegetable just to find that out. Of course. Yes.
0: And Kor surprisingly knows who he is. Like he's like, oh, you're Captain Kirk of the Enterprise. Oh, I'm- were
1: you surprised? I thought that he would have been part of the law, like they'd have each other on the dartboard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that Kirk is pretty famous within yeah, the Federation, of now, obviously it comes across to you, So, hmm. uh, but he's really kind of excited to meet Kirk. He shows a deep level of admiration for Kirk, you know, he's not shy about it.
1: Oh yeah, I really enjoyed this dynamic. Cause a fantastic character, and what chops!
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Korg gives Kirk 12 hours to start talking or he'll use the mind sifter on him and they stick Kirk and Spock in a jail.
1: After six hours, during which time I don't know what they're doing, the door to the cell just opens and there's Aelborn. He says he'll take them to safety. Kirk's suspicious, but he doesn't really have much of a choice.
0: When informed of the escape, Korg gets really ticked off and he says, execute some people. So... He goes over the loudspeaker system, and you can hear this kind of zappy sound, and then he says, we've just killed 200 Organians. Yeek. And another 200 will be killed in two hours if Kirk and Spock aren't turned over to us. He loves a
1: countdown.
0: (laughs) He's the second (laughs) countdown. So Kirk tells the council that he and Spock are going to save those people, but it's a a bit of a suicide mission. The council goes, all right, if this is what you're going to do, here are your weapons. But they say to each other, we're not going to allow this to happen. Mm. So Kirk and Spock knock out a few guys and get into Kor's office. They have him as prisoner. But Core still boasting and belittles Kirk. A bit before uh he has a bunch of his klingon storm in the office because uh, there was like a little spy camera in there so oh, they could see what was going on
1: Come on, you've been tricked by that twice I now
0: know. get get a clue dude but once they start fighting everyone's weapons become hot and when someone tries to hurt someone they get burned
1: yeah even their fists get hot i think when they try and punch yeah i could have watched that hot acting
0: for much longer <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good so aleborn and the other guy walk in the office and they're just whoa where did they come from and they say sorry we had to put a stop to this violence And then everybody's like, huh? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you doing this, whatever you're doing? And it's like, oh, this heat thing is also going on with the starships as well. The Federation has arrived with reinforcements. So it's not just the Klingons up there, it's the Federation and they all have hot button Yeah. That they can't touch.
1: And don't we see Sulu trying to press some kind of Yeah shooty button and yeah. it's too it's hot. too hot. <laughs> yeah. But Sulu did go and get help, didn't just hide in the bushes. Yeah. But couldn't he just have called for help from where he was? Well mm-hmm. I mean they probably
0: would have been destroyed because there was okay. like yeah. there were like dozens of Klingon ships. Well that's true. Yeah. Both Kirk and Core call their ships to see if all this is true. It is Nobody can fire weapons. As I stand here, I also stand upon the home planet of the Klingon Empire and the home planet of your Federation, Captain. I'm going to put
1: a stop to this insane war. You're what? You're talking nonsense. It is being done. Can't just stop the fleet. What gives you the right? You can't interfere. What happens in space is not your business. Unless both sides
0: agree to an immediate cessation of hostilities. All your armed forces, wherever they may be, will be immediately immobilized.
1: We have legitimate grievances against the Klingons. They've invaded our territory, killed our citizens. They're openly aggressive. They've boasted that they'll take over half the galaxy. And why not? We're the stronger. You've tried to hem us in, cut off vital supplies, strangle our trade. You've been asking for a war. You're the ones who issued the ultimatum to withdraw from the disputed area. They're not disputed. They're clearly ours. Now you step in with some kind of trick.
0: It is no trick, Commander. We have simply put an end to your war. All your military forces, wherever they are, are now completely paralyzed. We find interference in other people's affairs most disgusting. Disgusting? What, like mayonnaise on pizza disgusting?
1: <laughs> they must have been nearly puking in the mouths this whole time <laughs> with <while> all Kirk's meddling.
0: <laughs> so Kirk says, these guys killed 200 hostages. But Aelborn says, nobody was killed. Oh... <laughs> So Kirk and Cork continue to argue with Aelborn that they have the right to fight, and they totally seem like children.
1: Mm. And it's
0: kind of, I feel bad. Like, I feel embarrassed for Kirk. Oh, He also says that in the future, the Federation of the Klingon Empire will be fast friends. Spoiler alert! what he uses there. Then he tells them that they both got to leave the planet. So Aelborn explains that millions of years ago, they were humanoid like humans, but had developed beyond the need for physical bodies. And what they see is a mere appearance for their sake.
1: The last time they wore clothes was medieval times. Then they went straight from that to naked light beings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's all an elaborate illusion. Spock says, fascinating, pure energy pure thought, totally incorporeal, not life as we know it at all. And, of course, pure energy is sampled in that Information Society song, What's On Your
1: Mind? (laughs) I don't know it, but maybe you'll play a little clip.
0: So Aylborne and Claymare, is the name of the other guy, turn into bright lights while Core, Kirk and Spock shield their eyes for a very long time.
1: Oh, so long. We get it. They're bright. <laughs> go back to the everything is hot acting if you've got so much time to kill.
0: <laughs> Kirk turns to Kor and says, looks like we won't be going to war after all. And Kor says, a shame, Captain. It would have been glorious.
1: Mm, maybe those two should just go into a sweat lodge and have an arm wrestle or something. <laughs>
0: Oh, or something Or something <laughs> So back on the bridge.'ve
1: been most restrained since we left Organia I'm embarrassed. I was furious with the organians for stopping a war I didn't want. We think of ourselves as the most powerful beings in the universe. It's unsettling to discover that we're wrong. Captain. It took millions of years for the Organians to evolve into what they are. Even the gods did not spring into being overnight. You and I have no reason to be embarrassed. We did, after all, beat the odds. Oh, no, 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 Mr. Spock. We didn't beat the odds. We didn't have a chance. The Organians raided the game.
0: Uh, so wait, he said... It's unsettling to learn that you're not the most powerful being in the universe. Hmm. Didn't we already <laughs> learn that with Trelane?
1: Trelane, Charlie X's is lost. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he's, why is he surprised that these beings... To me, it's shocking. I didn't know that there are so many of these omnipotent mm. beings floating around out there in space. Yeah, wow. Nobody talks about that. That's not something that's discussed. Like I would be mm. freaked out about space exploration, these races seem to be benevolent, Mm, but mm. what if they just run into one that just blinks you out of existence? Yeah, yikes. There seems to be no anxiety about these things existing out there, which is Mm. kind of strange to me.
1: They're in denial about it, perhaps even though they've already met at least two (laughs) races of these. (laughs) This boldly going and documenting things isn't going so well if they've already forgotten.
0: The one thing about this episode that really is freaking me out that I didn't remember is that the Organians stopped the klingon federation war mm. like well, just stopped it oh right yeah and they said you can't go to war again if you guys fight we're gonna stop your war. we're gonna make all your ships and your vehicles and, and your weapons not work
1: mm. against anyone
0: against anyone i guess mm. w- which is really crazy to me. Enforced peace they have that kind of power and they decided to use it Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, why now? Why not other wars?
1: Mm. Yeah, and why the whole charade of presenting all this visual stuff? Because they don't like interfering, they said. Yeah. That can be an annoying human trait when it's taken to extremes. I don't know if it's particularly English or even particularly Northern. Yeah. Sometimes not interference, just being neglectful, I think.
0: Right. So I read up on uh, the Organians a bit, and there's a lot about them in the extended Star Trek universe. Hmm. They later say that their powers only work in their own solar system. And this being on the Federation home planet and the Klingon home planet was a bluff. Uh. But then later... They say that they do actually continue to stop the Klingons and the Federation from ever going to war. Hmm. Uh, the Klingons try to put a force field around Organia, but that doesn't work. Uh, and that's from the novel Spock Must Die. No! And uh, the Organians show up again on Star Trek Enterprise, which is like the fifth or sixth series after this one. Oh. Uh, so that's pretty far away. I don't mm. know if you're going to have to worry about that. But let's let's <laughs> talk about... Uh... I don't you're going to have
1: to worry about that. <laughs> concepts there's a therapy concept of the drama triangle Mm -hmm. which i think for me applies here a bit in which interpersonal conflict is maintained the conflict keeps going around and around this triangle Mm -hmm. by people taking up one of three roles rescuer persecutor or victim and people don't always adopt the same role. Hmm. Uh, and by taking on one role, they kind of invite others to take on the other roles in the triangle. So here the Klingons are the persecutors, of course. Mm-hmm. Kirk takes on the role of rescuer, but the Organians insist they're not victims. Right. He keeps trying to bring them into that triangle with them, but they don't want the help and they don't need it. Yeah. And he's frustrated that they won't let him play his role.
0: Yeah.
1: Once hundreds of Organians are killed and the counselors still refuse to let Kirk rescue, it then reminds me of the trauma quadrangle, which adds in the role of bystander to this mix of roles uh-huh. um, for example if you think of a child with an abusive parent and another parent who witnesses but can't or doesn't protect them mm-hmm. so maybe Kirk now sees the counsellors as neglectful bystanders it's only later when the Organians prove that they needed no rescue mm-hmm. that Kirk steps out of this rescuer role and feels ashamed mm. he'd seen them as a charity case we mm-hmm. were saying we can build you infrastructure schools so you're not all such backwards dumbasses yeah. why won't you let us be benevolent <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
0: right man that's some heavy insight there i don't know if it
1: feels relevant to anybody else it does feel (laughs) like
0: it it does
1: but enough of that what was with the green goats (laughs) if this was all fake for the visitors
0: (laughs) space goats man
1: space goats space goats. but what do they do all day these light beings because they don't really live in that environment presumably they're all faking it
0: yeah they probably do superhuman intelligence Things that we could never mm, comprehend. Whoa. I'll use my dog analogy where a dog tries to <laughs> right. understand what a human does on a computer. Uh, yeah. You can't explain it to the dog. You can't show the dog no matter how slowly, no matter how much pointing you do. The dog's never going to yeah. understand.
1: But how would you feel about being an all-powerful light but having to sit on a chair and wear sandals? <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> maybe for them that is creating that illusion is nothing. Like it's a, it's a side thought. You know, oh it only it takes a effort. little
1: bit of their brain yeah, power yeah. I thought oh, maybe no. it could be a bit like being an adult baby that kind of uh, <laughs> escapism
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes I preferred yes. that one
1: yes. okay good so I thought it was innovative intriguing with the concepts it unraveled at a good pace mm-hmm. complex mix of moralities and approaches presented by the three camps mm-hmm. I give it a nine.
0: nine oh yeah a nine seems pretty high mm-hmm. I feel more like an eight just mm-hmm. because it didn't quite address all of the things that i wish that it would address mm. like i wanted kirk to realize what was going on earlier and uh, to kind of yeah to be more about interference or, or not interfering and to why. wrestle
1: with that a bit more yeah to me uh. that seems
0: like a more interesting dilemma i got annoyed with kirk being dumb because i don't mm, i don't he's like not it usually, yeah <laughs>
1: although i did enjoy his crash down to earth at the end where he felt yes. so humble and embarrassed that yeah, was a really good counterpoint to it yeah yeah so entertainment We were straight into action from the start with the Enterprise being hit. The camera shaking, everyone falling around. Mm. And there was a good pace throughout. Plenty of intrigue to keep it going. Core was such a compelling, likeable anti-hero. It was funny, especially his disgust at the peaceful guys <laughs> and his admiration of Kirk for being sassy.
0: He <laughs> was always, yeah, he was going, God, why are they always smiling? <laughs> yeah. Never trust somebody that smiles all the time. Was like,
1: <laughs> you are like <laughs> you, disobedient Kirk. I want you in my gang. He and Kirk stand close together at times. It's like with the Romulan leader, there's an affinity between them, even though they're enemies. And at the end, when Kirk's embarrassed and humbled, he can't even muster the usual banter with Spock. I liked that contrast. Yeah, that was well done. Often, several crew members have died and they still have a good old chuckle about logic (laughs) at the end. But not here, his mind has been blown. (laughs) So I really enjoyed this. One of my favourites, Nine.
0: Whoa, a mm. nine. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Core was the standout star. Oh, yeah. You said, you know, I like Core better than Khan. As I did. A yeah. And I, and the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, me Ooh, too. Wow. There was something kind of dickish about Khan. <laughs> yeah. And even though Core was like a bad guy and executing people... There's something really likable yes. about that dude. Yeah. Want to like, see more of him? I want to see, I want to hang out with him a lot. I don't want to hang out with him if he was a real guy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. want, to, I want to see more of that character doing stuff. Yes. So I would give it a slightly lower, mm-hmm. I'd say an eight or a
1: 7.5. Okay. And then veering over into sexiness, it was another sausage festival. Yeah. That might have helped to make Cormor likable because if we'd thrown some ladies into the mix, no doubt he would have been atrocious towards us. Oh, right. Them. Yeah. And so, uh, we were protected from that.
0: That's true Maybe I yeah. don't know
1: But Sex is It Didn't really so much no. Come into it I guess Apart no. from Spock's cape Yeah <laughs> 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 and i didn't mind watching Shatner in tights
0: oh golly yeah well there you go something for the ladies <laughs> uh oh uh, yeah uhura is in there briefly mm. and given some stuff i can't wait for her role to get bigger because yeah. it does she oh some, good she gets some real choice oh good parts some yeah. cool things happen with her that yes. I, I can't wait for i think that's probably in the second season
1: okay we're getting close to that by the we way we are
0: getting close to it and uh we're rachel and i are already talking about the 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 season wrap-up bonus mm. episode that we're going to do
1: i want to go back to our pilot episode and compare my expectations to what we've actually got to see <laughs> how that's <laughs> yeah, come I wanna out i want to see
0: i want to see how you've changed or mm, or, uh, not, or, or not or you've changed or A maybe, few people
1: have mentioned maybe i've changed maybe. A bit. yeah we'll see if you're not a patron yet and you might like to listen to our season wrap-up Get over there now on patreon.com and sign up so that you'll have access to that. And thank you so much for everyone who already has. Yeah, thank you so much, patrons. All right, let's thank backers. Oh, yes, let's thank these beautiful individuals for joining the crew this month. We've got ah, ooh, how enigmatic
0: Elias Stallard Oliveira,
1: Monkey King, and Ellis Morris,
0: Badger Spoon, and Patrick Kelly,
1: Andy, and David Smith,
0: Tobias. And David Crossman.
1: Christopher D. Singles. And Benjamin Preston.
0: Mirka Stobinia. And Chris Palo.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you on Patreon for some extra special stuff.
0: I want to thank our sponsor again. Oh
1: yeah, La Belle Esplanade. Uh,
0: I have looked at the website extensively. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, I really want to go to New Orleans now. Ooh. It's always been in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, wow, that looks really cool. Ooh, that is lush. So I just go to the site to yeah. a little, to little look around just and read check the blog. It out. You know, Get check sucked it
1: out. in. Yeah.
0: And with that, Rachel, uh, thank you for watching Star Trek with
1: me. I, I had a good time with this one. Yeah, me too. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. Uh, and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Watches Star Trek